Let me talk to you a little bit tonight, and I'll start a little different. Pete. Pete was his name. He sits on the side of the street and leans his head against the building. He'd really like to beat his head against the building because he just messed up again. He, he misspoke as he occasionally did, and well, not just occasionally, but he was pretty good at it if you read his history. He blurts out wrong words and spouts off things and sprays folly everywhere. He hurts someone, but this night he had hurt one of his very best friends, and Pete and his quick-triggered tongue got him in trouble. And then there's uh, there's a guy by the name of Joe. Joe had his failures, and he was a poor guy that couldn't hold a job. His career, his career was not good because he was up and down, cold and hot. He tried his hand at family business and failed. They fired him. Tried his skills as a manager, got canned and thrown in jail, wound up in a prison. He flopped at every opportunity it looked like and uh, just wasn't secure in anything. And then there was um, a woman that wasn't good at marriage. She wasn't wasn't good at all at marriage. As a matter of fact, she had been to the divorce court the fourth time and, and now the fifth time, and so it was pretty well known that she wasn't the best at being married. All of those that I just mentioned have proverbial hang-ups. We all do, but they had hang-ups. Pete would speak before he thought. Joe would fail. It looked as if every way he turned, he thought he was going to succeed, and he failed. And then this woman, she wins about as much at marriage as a donkey does at the Kentucky Derby. She just doesn't win. And now she's been married five times, and she's living with somebody that's not even her husband. And I'm talking about Simon Peter, and I'm talking about Joseph of the Old Testament, and I'm talking about the woman at the well that Jesus met. Because you see, here are people that had problems, and they had things in their life. Now, I want you to watch me and stay with me close. They had things in their life that continuously gave them problems. Some people are prone to cheat. Some people lie. Some people doubt. Some people fear. There's, there's, some people are judgmental. I read a statement that said some people are, are, are so judgmental that they pass more judgments than a federal judge. But, but we, what, is, what is the weakness that you and I have? It may be a bad habit. It may be a rotten attitude. But here's what happens. Satan sets up strongholds in our lives. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight is strongholds. Because he is a, he is a master at setting up strongholds. Where, where Satan has a stronghold, it's a fortress, it's a citadel, it's thick walls, it's tall gates. It's as if the devil can stake claim in your personality or your character 
or your walk with God. I want to tell you there's not one of us in this room tonight that doesn't fight strongholds in our life. Amen? We all fight them. It may be an explosive temper. It may be a fragile self-image. It may be a, uh, a freezer-sized appetite. Hallelujah. It may be distrust for authority. It may be rebellion. It may be, but you know what? Seasons come and go, and this monster still lurks down in the bottom of our soul. We pray, and we think we've got it conquered, but all of a sudden it shows its ugly head again. I want to preach for a little bit or teach you a little bit tonight about strongholds, strong enough to grip like a vice and stubborn enough to hold on to something in your life. And the devil will clamp down like a bear and he will hold you and torment you and torture you with strongholds in your life. Oh, I'm going, I'm going somewhere. Strongholds. Old, difficult, discouraging challenges. There are people that have strongholds in their life for years and can't get rid of them. We call them addictions. We call them, uh, we call them flaws. We call them all kind of names. But in the reality of it all, it's a stronghold in your life. You, you see, when you, when you look at things in the Scripture, you find that there are many things that are strongholds that will keep us from being what God wants us to be. But I'm here to help us tonight to tear down every stronghold. Hallelujah. I believe God wants to tear every stronghold down that the devil has built in our life and remove the fear and remove the doubt and remove the pride and remove whatever else it is that is causing us to not have what God wants us to have. Now, David David looked at Jerusalem and saw a capital city. When you and I think of Jerusalem, we envision religious things, temples, prophets, uh, biblical history. When you think about Jerusalem, you, you picture Jesus walking the streets. I remember when I went there a few years ago now, and, and, and I remember walking through Jerusalem thinking, I am standing where Jesus stood. I am literally walking the paths that Jesus walked. It was quite a unique experience. But that's what you think about. But when David saw Jerusalem, it was a 1,000 years B.C., before Christ. And he sees something else. He sees a millennium-old, cheerless fortress squatting defiantly on the spine ridge of the hills. He saw a rugged outcropping elevate, a rugged outcropping elevate her, tall walls protect her, and Jebusites indwell her. That's what David saw. No one bothers them because they, they are the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Philistines fight the Amalekites, and the Amalekites fight the Hebrew. But the Jebusites, nobody. They are a cold rattlesnake, if you please, in the desert, and everybody leaves the Jebusites alone, but not David. Everyone, that is, except the king. 
When David became king, he wanted Jerusalem. He inherited a divided kingdom. He inherited that when he became king. The people, the people need not just a strong leader, he said, but they need a strong headquarters. And so David presents David's present base of Hebron that I went to, sits too far south to enlist the loyalties of the northern, of the northern tribes. But he moves north. If he moves north, he'll isolate the southern. Jerusalem just happened to be that place that was right perfect to be the capital of Israel. So he wanted Jerusalem. And uh, you, you can only wonder how many times he perhaps stared at the walls and how many, how many times he thought, I'm going to get that city. He grew up in a place called Bethlehem and, and only a day's walk south, uh, or Nazareth, and he hid in the caves in the region and, and not far south from there. But somewhere he wanted to get Jerusalem as the capital. Now, just stay with me. I'm, I'm taking some of this from a reading that I, re, that I read because I found it so intriguing to me. Here's what the Bible said in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. Now David said on that day, whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, he shall be chief and captain. And then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. In verse 7 of that chapter, David took the stronghold. But in verse 9 of that chapter, he was living in the stronghold. Let me tell you, you can take down the stronghold and you can live victorious over all that the devil throws at you. They mocked David and they said to him that the blind and the lame can defeat you. But he didn't, they didn't know that David had slew a bear, and David had slew a lion, and David had conquered Goliath. They were talking to the wrong guy. Let me tell you something. We need to get the, the backbone of a David in 2023 and say, devil, I don't care how long you've occupied this space. I don't care how long you've tormented me here. I don't care how long you've been on my trail. I'm about to take down the stronghold and I will dwell there victoriously. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Jebusite scorning. That's what Satan does to us. We go down, we get a good blessing. I'm just going to be honest with you. We get a good blessing. We get all prayed up on a Sunday morning. Monday morning, he hops right back on our shoulder. Huh? He, he ain't quitting that easy. Are you listening? He ain't quitting that easy. So, so I, I didn't mean, I wasn't going to inject that, this right here, but I'm going to inject it right here. So I, I, I was going through some of my old notes today, and I pulled out, and uh, I pulled out a testimony. 
The year was 1941. The girl was in the third grade. I think it was before, I'm going to read it, before they added an extra grade to the school so that instead of going to school 11 years, it would soon take 12 years of school to finish. I think I skipped either the fourth or the fifth grade when they put up put us up a grade. At any rate, I came to school on Monday, December the 8th, 1941, and all my little girlfriends at school were crying. We had no radio in our house. We had to go over at our neighbors every Sunday just to listen to, in quotes, let's pretend, a children's program that we loved. We would all sit around in front of that big, tall, field coal radio to hear our fairy story of the week, and that was all the radio we got to listen to. So here they were, all my schoolmates crying. When I asked what was wrong, they told me that we were in war. Pearl Harbor had been bombed and that all their daddies would have to go off to war that was the way I was introduced to World War II. Well, in case you haven't heard, friend, I'd like to tell you that we are in desperate combat with the enemy of our soul, and our eternity depends upon who wins this war. The Scripture teaches us that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. I have been in the church long enough to know the truth of this statement. I have been battling the devil since Jesus filled me with the Holy Ghost on March the 11th, 1946, in a revival at McLeod, Texas, with Sister Dorothy Miller as the evangelist. Watch this. Mama, you recognize this story? Okay, good. Because your subject on that is pulling down strongholds. That's what you sent me a long time ago. So I'm going to read it. The first thing. The devil did to me was to tell me right off that, it, that I did not receive the Holy Ghost. I was a kid and did not realize what a liar he is, but he tormented me almost a whole year with that lie. Then one day, when I was at home alone, my mom and dad were down the road working on an old cattle gap. I really got desperate with the Lord. Now, mind you, I had been playing the piano for church in bobby socks since I was 11 years old as they had no one else to do it. I would play for the altar call and get up and go to the altar to seek for the Holy Ghost, which I had been doing almost all my life. The night I did receive the Holy Ghost, it so happened my school friends were there, and the devil said to me, if you go to that altar, they're going to make fun of you tomorrow at school. Well, I was so hungry, I went to the altar anyway. I was so thrilled, I received the Holy Ghost that I didn't speak, that I didn't speak but a few words in tongues, and I jumped up to hug everyone. But the devil saw a vulnerable place in my armor. And so he attacked me. You didn't really get the Holy Ghost, he said often to me. He tormented me with the thought that if Jesus came, which I was sure he would very soon, I would, be ready to, I would not be ready to meet him because I did not receive the Holy Ghost. That day, I stood in my room and I said these words, Lord, if the Holy Ghost is real and if it's for me, 
I want you to give me an experience I will never doubt. And in that instant, the Holy Ghost fell on me, and I began to speak fluently in other tongues. It was so powerful. The tears were streaming. I was ecstatic inside and speaking in tongues. I walked up and down that long hall in our home speaking in tongues. I've been there. I remember that. This went on for a while. I didn't know what I was saying, but I knew I was praising and blessing God. And after a while, I tried to speak in English, but it came out in tongues. I absolutely could not speak. English. I became afraid for in my mind I thought I would never again be able to speak English. I felt I should go down the road to where my parents were and tell them what happened to me. They had gone down the road about a quarter of a mile for dad to fix a cattle gap. But how could I go when I could not quit speaking in tongues? What would the neighbors think? What if some car came by me? Here I was just crying and speaking in tongues. Finally I decided I didn't care what they thought and I went off down the road talking in tongues all the way and when my parents first saw me they thought that something had frightened me but soon they knew what it was God was doing for me exactly what I asked him he was giving me an experience I could never doubt this was my first victory over the devil and over a stronghold in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, if it happened back then, it'll happen now. And what we have to understand is that the devil is a liar and he can't stay if we claim victory and the power of God will sustain us and give us what we need and what we want. I won't read the rest of it, but... But, but it goes on to talk about pulling down strongholds. She tells about when, mom, when her and dad were, were pastoring this church and how they laid in the floor and prayed for God to pull down strongholds. Let me tell you something. I'm tired of the lying, sneaking, conniving devil, lying to people, dragging people to hell. What I've come to tell you on a Wednesday night is it may be fear, it may be doubt, it may be unbelief, it may be covetousness, it may be lasciviousness, it may be anger, it may be murder. I don't know what stronghold the devil has in your life, but here's what I've come to tell you on a Wednesday night, and I felt it in my office today. God is ready to break down the walls and to tear down the stronghold. God is ready if you'll hand it over to him. He will release you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody put your hands together. It doesn't matter how old. It doesn't matter how difficult. It doesn't matter how long it's been there. You'll never overcome it by yourself. It's been built by Satan himself. It's going to take an old-fashioned prayer meeting. It's going to take an old-fashioned anointing. You say, I can't overcome my addiction. Okay, but God can. I can't overcome this thing that I've had for years. I understand but God can. If you heard the mocking they, they gave to David and the, the things that they tried to convince him of, if he, he could have, he could have turned around, walked off, and said, that's just too much to try to conquer. But let me tell you, when you got a heart for the things of God, you can conquer because the Holy Ghost will give you power. Oh, my, my, my. So I read a word in the reading of the scripture a while ago 
about David that I want you to notice. The city was old. The walls were difficult. The voices were discouraging. But there's a word, a 12-letter word that is as powerful as anything I know, and it's called nevertheless. Everybody say nevertheless. Nevertheless, the Bible said David took the stronghold. Wouldn't you love for God to write a nevertheless in your biography? I mean, something like her parents were drug addicts. Nevertheless, she found God. Something like his dad was in prison. Nevertheless, he saved his son. I could go on and on and on and on. What about a man that didn't read the Bible till he was retirement age, but nevertheless, his faith became deep and he found God in his elder years. See, there's a lot of neverthelesses. We all need one in our life. We all, God has plenty to go around. Strongholds mean nothing to God. You could say, but I've been this way for 25 years, but God says, nevertheless, the Holy Ghost is going to take care of that. <laughs> nevertheless, I'm going to deliver you on this Wednesday night. Oh, you think God can't do it on a Wednesday night? He can do it on a Thursday morning or a Friday evening or a Saturday at high noon. God can do it. You got to believe that nevertheless, God, God can take charge in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody needs and nevertheless. You see, we use God, God's mighty weapons and, 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 and they're not worldly weapons. They're, they're spiritual weapons. The Bible said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not here to fight with tanks and armor and, and, and pull out machine guns. and we're, That's not what this is all about. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual war. But let me tell you, while the devil's using toothpick, God's got a battering ram. I'm going to tell you the Spirit of God can chase the devil out of your life quicker than anything I know. Somebody's got to believe me right now. Amen. You got to believe there's a nevertheless in your life. You got to believe that no matter what's going on, there's a nevertheless in your life. I was going this way, nevertheless, God turned me around. Nevertheless, He spoke to me in the night. I was miserable. I was dying. I was hungry. Nevertheless, God found me in my misery. Is there anybody understanding that you need a nevertheless in your life? Hallelujah. Everybody needs one. Everybody needs one. Jesus was a great example of pulling down strongholds. He was at his weakest point when the devil tried to in human flesh. He was at his weakest point. He's never been weak as God, but in his, in his flesh, he was at his weakest point when he came off the 40-day fast. And when he came off, the devil showed up. I told somebody today, don't you know the devil knows when to show up? He's always going to show up, but he wants, to, he wants to catch you at your weakest moment. He wants to catch you when, when things are troubling you and when things haven't gone well. And, 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 and this is what happened with Jesus. You see, when he, when he showed up, when the devil showed up, Jesus just, he just used the word against him. 
and, and he destroyed the strongholds of Satan. Let, let me tell you something else he did. When the crowd ridiculed Jesus about a girl, about a young girl, the, the, the Lord said, she's, she's not dead, she's only asleep. And the people laughed at him. They laughed at him. Nevertheless, nevertheless, he ran them all off. He shooed them out of the house, walked in the bedroom where she was at, and raised her to life. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a nevertheless in your life tonight. There's something that God wants to do. He wants to fix it. Two types of thoughts continually vie for your attention. One says, yes, you can. The other says, no, you can't. One says, God will help you. The other lies and said, God has left you. One speaks the language of heaven, and the other deceives in the vernacular of the Jebusites that said, even a lame man can whip you, but in the spirit I speak it in the Holy Ghost on this Wednesday night. There's no use in you going another day with a stronghold in your life that will keep you from having the things of God and be victorious the way the Lord wants you to be. Ha. Hallelujah. See, the devil's trying to tear up and God's trying to build up. Here's the deal. Here's the great news for you. You get to select who you listen to. You get to choose who you listen to. Why listen to the mockers when you can with the same ear listen to God? Why listen to the enemy when you can with the same ear listen to the things of God in your life? You see, I just refuse to listen to the devil. You got to do what David did. You got to turn a deaf ear. I don't care what they're saying on the wall. I don't care how the wall is. I don't care how high the gate is. Here's what I know. That's a stronghold that's fixing to come down because God's fixing to give me Jerusalem for a capital of Israel. I'm fixing to take Jerusalem. I wish somebody would make up your mind tonight. I am taking my enemy by force. I'm taking this stronghold down in my life. I'm not listening. I'm turning a deaf ear to those old voices and those old things that are being whispered to me every day. Let me tell you, the devil, he'll lie to you. He'll lie to you so bad. He's the father of every lie. He'll take you down lying. He'll make you believe a lie. He's the best liar. I'll give him that. He's the best liar that ever existed because the Bible said he's not only a liar, but he's the father of every lie. He produced it. So quit worrying about those things that you don't need to worry about. And quit letting the devil lie to you. Peter, yeah, his mouth got him in trouble. He was, he, was, he was always voicing something. You know, it was him that said, Lord, I'll never leave you. Not me, Lord. Now, one of these other guys, but not, not old Pete. No, I'm here. I'm here. You can count on me. And that's when the Lord looked at him and said, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. You may talk big. But you're talking anything. There's strongholds in your life. You got to conquer that tongue, Pete. You got to get over that. Let me tell you, he obviously did because he preached the first Pentecostal message that I preached about here Sunday. He conquered that that tongue. Amen. So 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 Joseph, that that 
you know, the one fired by his family, jailed by his employer, jobless Joseph. You ever going to amount to anything? Let me tell you what he went. He went from he went from a pit to Potiphar's house to a prison, but he didn't stop. He went from a prison to a palace. So there's hope for Joe. You may not have held the job, and you may have got fired, and you may have been sent to prison. You want to talk about that woman, that five-time divorcee, the one now living with somebody that wasn't her husband, the last report of her introducing her entire village to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, one writer said she became the first missionary for Jesus because she went and got the whole village, a, a, a woman of ill repute, a woman that didn't have a good reputation, a woman that if you, if you just looked at her face value, you'd say, my God, she's a mess. She's a mess. But God's mighty weapons took down the strongholds in her life because he gave her water that she would never thirst again. You see, I don't care if they come in here drunk. I don't come if they come strung out on drugs. That's what we want. I, I agree with Morton Buster who preached in this church years ago. We need to smell a little alcohol in here. Oh, pastor, don't say that. Well, let me tell you, you're not too good for an alcoholic to walk in here. We're not too good for a drug addict to stumble down these aisles. We won't ever prostitute in this city. We won't everybody with a, a bad reputation in this church. That's what we won't hear. If you're just looking for all the lawyers and the bankers and the judges and the and the whoever, I, I want God to save every one of them. We got a judge in our church. The clerk of court goes to this church. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank God for that. But we're not out just for people that are high in society and the elite. I'll take every low-down man that walks in this building because he's got a soul and there's strongholds in his life that need to be broken. They got to come down. Jesus taught against that. He said, if you just save them a seat up front and you make to do over them, you're wrong. That's not right. That's not what the church is for. He said, I didn't come to the well. I came to the sick because it's the sick that need a physician. Will somebody believe me up in here tonight? Hallelujah. See, Peter stuck his foot in his mouth, and Joseph wound up in prison. And the Samaritan woman, five times she, she was buried, and Jesus was dead in a grave, by the way. Nevertheless, nevertheless, every one of them found God and found victory in their life. i got to give you a couple of scriptures real quick, powerful scriptures, scriptures that that I that I, I found in the Word of God. Now this is this is different because I'm reading the scriptures at the end of the sermon today. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. I got 22 minutes, and I'll be out of here. I promise you before then. But I got to give you this because here's what the Bible said in Second Corinthians, verse three, chapter 10, verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. This is, you probably quote this, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That means this spiritual battle, God has weapons for us to pull down every wall 
every gate, every fortress, every citadel, everything that has built itself up to stop us from getting to where we need to be with God. He said this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't, I'm not looking for carnal weapons tonight. I'm not looking for that kind of warfare. I'm looking for something spiritual that God would give me that when I lay down tonight, I can just say, devil, you're a liar. When I get up in the morning, I can go through my day victorious and say, devil, you're a liar. I got it in the book, you're a liar. I'm here to tell you God has given me the spiritual things that I need and they're, they're spiritual enough that you can't handle them and you can't war against them because they're not carnal. They are coming from God. And when they come from God, you can't any way in the world compete with what I've got. Amen. Here's another one very quickly. I hurry. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul said this in verse 19. And what is exceeding greatness of his power? To usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. I want you to say this with me. Exceeding, come on, say it. Exceeding greatness of his power. His power's bigger than what you could imagine. His power's more than what I can preach here tonight. His power is, I'm telling you, it is the delivering force. It is a powerful anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's what God did here on Sunday morning when he reached down here and people all over this building were hungry and seeking God, tearing down strongholds. That's what Paul is talking about, the exceeding greatness. Let me tell you, I'm not against any program. I'm not. But I, I, what AA can't do, Jesus can. What every other program can't do, Jesus can. I want us to take them through programs and take them through 12 steps, but at the end of it all, I want Jesus in charge because nothing can help you like the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many people I've seen delivered. How many people I've seen set free. Brother Hodge was telling me about a young girl in his school just last week that, that, that there was demonic spirits on her. That still happens. That still happens. Everybody else was scared for her. You know what they were doing? And now he's a teacher, but they were saying, where's the preacher? Am I telling the truth? And, and, and I don't know every detail, but I can tell you this. There's spirits out there. They're in our schools. If the Senate's not doing, and the Congress is not doing anything else worthwhile, oh, you might hate me for this, but they're doing something good right now. It's to take everybody under 16 years old off of social media because let me tell you, it's destroying America and destroying our kids. It's a work of the enemy. It's, in, it's intertwining in our minds and in our homes. Now, if you've got a kid that, younger than that and you want to keep, that's, that's you and Jesus. I'm just telling you what I believe, okay? I'm just telling you what I feel. But I'm here also to tell you that, that, that we have 
it's not just social media. We have encountered things in the spirit world like we've never encountered before. I'm telling you right now, this world is in a total chaotic mess. We are, we are encountering spiritual warfare like we've never encountered. We've always fought the devil, and the devil showed up. Anytime you start doing right, the devil's going to show up. Anytime you try to live for God, the devil's going to show up. My dad used to say, if you don't meet him every once in a while, you probably go in the same direction he is. Well, I hope you meet him every once in a while. But, but, but we're not meeting him every once in a while. We get up in the morning having to face him. We go to bed at night having to face him. Can I just preach a little bit here right now? Because you see, it's spiritual things. We don't think it's spiritual things because we've been so ingrained with, oh, well, this is just normal and this is just natural and Hollywood has, has, has bled our brain out to we, where we just think like everybody else does and, well, it's okay now. It didn't used to be okay, but it's okay now. No, it's not okay now. And what is happening is they're brainwashing our kids in our school rooms and they threw prayer out and they threw the Bible out and nobody can do anything spiritual anymore. You can't spank one. Oh, I wish that was in, in force when I was a kid because I got many of them. You can't correct one because if you do, you might hurt them and hurt their feelings, and besides that, the parents don't want you touching their babies. Well, let me tell you about my parents. If I got one at school, I got one at home. Amen. You say, why are you preaching all that? Because it's spiritual warfare. You, we don't realize it's spiritual warfare. But everything the devil can do, he's trying to disrupt the church. He's trying to disrupt our lives. He's trying to engage us. It's, it's disruptive things that cause us to get off on a rabbit's trail. And we forget to pray. And we forget God in the equation at all. As a matter of fact, we think we can solve everything. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The best thing you can do to tear down a stronghold in your life is has a, have a prayer meeting every day. Get the word of God deeply ingrained in your spirit. Go down the road talking in tongues. Hallelujah. Get up every morning and go to your child's bedroom and pray before they go to school. Do something spiritual because the devil is not scared of you. He's, a, he's afraid of God. Amen. I'm talking about tearing them down. I'm talking about pulling them down. Look, If I talked to my parents the way kids talk to their parents nowadays, there would be no Danny Chance here today. I'm honest with you. Matter of fact, I didn't even say no or yes. I can remember my daddy saying, son, what'd you say? Oh, yes, sir. Break your jaw to say yes, sir. He taught me to be respectful. Taught me about the things of God. There was prayer in my house. There's still prayer in my house. There was prayer every day in my life. 
there's still prayer every day in my life. You see, I, I, don't, I don't know what you think, but I'm, I'm talking about stronghold. Now, David had to take Jerusalem, but we got an America on our hands that has never been to where it is right now. And the only thing that's going to help is praying people, the church of the living God, to stand up and say, we're not going to fall. We're going to tear down every stronghold we come against. We're not going to give up our truth. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're going to give everything that we've got to the kingdom of God. Is there anybody hearing me on this Wednesday night? We can tear down the devil's strongholds with the things of God in our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to quit because my leg's hurting. My leg wasn't hurting, I wouldn't quit. Y'all will get old one of these days, you'll understand. But the facts are strongholds in your life, strongholds in your life, they got to come down. You can't let them stay. You got to destroy them. You got to get after them. You can't ignore them. See, and some of you will say, well, I really don't have anything. Well, I'm proud of you. I must have done some good pastoring. If you got no issues in your life, is there, come on, let's be honest. Is there anybody here that ever deals with anger? That's because you ain't got a wife, Dennis. If you had one, you wouldn't act like that. Dennis is my buddy, by the way. He'll come around and say, that's good, Pastor. That's good tonight. <laughs> Anybody here ever deal with hatred? Oh, a few of us. You ever just feel like you could tear somebody's head off? What about bitterness? Oh, nobody's ever bitter, is it? Nobody's ever bitter. Okay, let's do this. What about road rage? See, I'm raising my hand on every one of them because it, it'll get you. We just might as well be real here tonight. Well, that's not a stronghold in my life. Well, then how come every time you pull up beside somebody or behind somebody, you get mad? I wish they'd learn to drive. See, I'm preaching to me. My wife will tell you right now, you're preaching to yourself. I know I am. But you know what? We can get strongholds. You say, well, that's just petty stuff. Oh, Bible said, let's bringing up with you any root of bitterness. Let me tell you what bitterness will do. If it springs up in you, it'll grow big. And the first thing you know, you'll have a terrible spirit and a terrible attitude. Huh? See, I could, I could go through and name all kinds of stuff. Anybody ever deal with lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life? We all do. We all do, but if we leave that alone, I preached this just a couple of month, a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. The battle of the mind. If we leave it right here, if we leave that thought right here, it starts to grow and it starts to fester. And the first thing you know, you got a you got a situation on your hands where you're thinking stuff like, "Man, I didn't I didn't used to think this way. I didn't used to act 
this way? Why am I thinking this way? Because the devil has set up a fort and he's got a stronghold and he's building a wall. Let me tell you what he'll do. He'll build a wall between me and you, Kenny. He'll make me get ill feelings toward you. He'll do anything he can to cause our friendship to crumble. And then he builds walls to where neither one of us want to say, I'm sorry. Now, Kenny and I are fine, okay? But I'm just using that. Let me tell you what will happen. He'll build a fort in your life. And it's strong. And it's mighty. And it's only going to get taken down by the things of God in your life. Hallelujah. This is Bible study. What would you expect? A picnic? 